Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> you got your earbuds? Yeah, I got them in, so should be good to go. So I got to ask you, because the podcast is called Behind the Wheel, are you always behind the wheel? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So living in Baltimore, in the inner city, I was present when the Freddie Gray riots occurred. Baltimore was actually the first city in America to come up with a essentially legal way to ban African-Americans' property ownership within white residential areas. Transformation is a two-sided marketplace where we introduce artisanal and emerging uh, brands, mainly snack brands, to consumers at key moments where they're most engaged. Hi, I'm Derek, and this is Behind the Wheel, a show dedicated to highlighting the accomplishments of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things within the community. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Oxley, and today's episode is brought to you by the folks at the Creative Running Collection, an eclectic ensemble of artists from all walks of life and disciplines. I mean, we're talking established to wannabe writers, actors, directors, artists, bloggers, vloggers, videographers, podcasters, journalists, producers, and editors who are passionate about creating content for running and entertainment purposes. Still, but more importantly, they inspire people to pursue a healthy lifestyle by helping them identify their purpose, maximize their potential accelerate their growth and continuing the cycle. In other words, they help people IMAC their life. So, if you've got some hidden talent and you're looking for a safe place to express, own, and display your talent, shoot them an email at the Behind the Wheel Morning Show at gmail.com. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner or know of an entrepreneur or small business owner looking to advertise in the Behind the Wheel podcast but weren't certain as to whether or not there was a possibility, we have eliminated all the guesswork. It certainly is a reality. Who's this we you're talking about? You know it's just you. I'm not going to go with we. We now have... We going with we? I think we're going to go with we. Let's try. We now have the ability for you to sponsor an episode. How cool is that? Your ad can run pre, mid, or post roll. Simply visit coffee.com forward slash BTW podcast. The details will be in the show notes. That's KO hyphen FI.com forward slash BTW podcast. And one of the cool things about coffee.com is it allows supporters of the show to buy me a cup of coffee. You all know I like coffee. So. Shout out to Latoya Shantae, Soul Inspired, Kimberly Hall, and Kim Isaiah. That's why I'm on Not for this, this is, gonna, <laughs> this is gonna be. Man, a train hasn't been on those tracks for like decades. Where is that? It's that's Lackawanna, New York. Lackawanna. Uh, yeah, which is south of Buffalo. Um, mm-hmm. Used to be home of the biggest steel mill in the world, and there was a big black community there of people who moved there from the South to get jobs at the steel mill, but the mill closed in 1982 mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's just like a shell. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh man. I was like, Oh, that's, 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 uh, woo. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can do another background. No, that's cool. I, I, I was just like, I know she's not. I know it's a the thing. But it was just, it was just funny. It's like, yo, why is she? It has like my logo on it, Beyond the Railroad, but it's kind of loud, you know, like a Fuchsia mm-hmm. thing. Okay, so is yeah. that is that the background you want us to use for? If I should I post the video or just um um let me maybe I'll do another one. Let me see. How do I? 
how do I get back to the backgrounds? Um, I don't know. I mean, you're cool. If you're cool with that, fine. I don't care. But it's railroad. I get it. I get it. No yeah. problem. Be on the railroad. Duh. Makes yeah, no, sense. No, no, but people might not get it. So all right, but mm. sit up more because you, you okay. like you, you, you. No, like you got no. I mean, because there's so much headspace. Like, oh, oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Like you're down here, so you're really yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Ah, now you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now you're really gonna get. You're gonna get splattered. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm. Well, you know, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it right. You know. Yeah, that, that didn't sound right. I, yeah, I, no. I, but the funny I, thing was, when I went to take a bunch of pictures over there, I mean, it's like desolate, and uh, I was there for about half an hour. And next thing I knew, like Homeland Security was driving up. Like, can I help you? I guess they thought I was sizing up the place. I don't know what they thought I was doing. You look dangerous, yo. It's it's kind of creepy, you know. It's like mm -hmm. no one around, and then you think about what it was like in the nineteen. 60s or whatever you know it was like bustling and all these people were coming there for work and leaving and mm -hmm. you know now it's like nothing oh man okay so um yeah thank you for 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 doing this like last minute sure this thing is is doesn't want to i'm just trying to get the light here i just uh i just invested in zoom myself i'm so happy it's like i can do you can do so much, you know? Yeah, yeah. Movies, video. Yeah. I mean, it's just all kinds of stuff you can do. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. excited. Um, so were you a runner? Are you a runner? You're a runner, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm a runner. I started running, well, uh, well, I've run 23 marathons. I uh, started running a little bit in high school. Um, and then when I was in college, I was actually a dancer most of my young life. And when I was in college, the track team would ask if I wanted to join because I guess my legs looked strong. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really get interested in running until it was like in the mid 90s. I moved to D.C. And mm -hmm. uh, I had this medical thing happen and they weren't sure if it was cancer. They said, we've got to go in and look. So I told my surgeon was really cool. I said, if if this is nothing, I'm going to go run a 5K. And it was nothing. So I kept up my end of the bargain. And then I got hooked. And uh, within a year, I had done my first marathon, Philly. Mm. And, um, that was 98. So, uh, yeah, I would do marathons every six months. You know, okay. back then, that was like a lot. Now people are doing them three in a weekend. But mm -hmm. uh I, you know, I got addicted because I felt like whenever I was training for a marathon, that was like my motivation to um, stay healthy and to keep working out. And it was good stress relief because I was working on Capitol Hill. And mm -hmm. um, OK, OK. So, okay. so anyway, well, I, that, I just want to Eversley is how you pronounce your name. I don't want to butcher yeah. it. Yeah. OK, so I'm going to do a, a brief introduction. Um, welcome to the show. I'm going to ask you if you're a D&D &D lady. Or a five bucks lady. D and D. Oh, D and D. Yeah, for sure. Dunkin' Donuts or five bucks. I don't really care. It's just a warm up. We get to talking. Okay. You know, you're a marathoner, and then why? Why are we here? Okay. All right, and then we'll yeah, and then we we'll get into it. Cool. All okay. right. All right. Good morning, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm oh, I got my glasses on. <laughs> I want to look smart talking to <laughs> These are real glasses. They, I mean, are I they? Okay. Yeah, it's not just a prop, right? <laughs> yeah, good morning and welcome back. You know, to, good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your. Why am I talking in that voice? I'm your host, Derek Oxley, and today we have a special guest. 
She, why are you laughing? She's, I hope she doesn't get hit by a train if you're watching this. <laughs> the next one is to do for another hour. We're good. So we've got an hour at least before she gets splattered by the train. I became familiar for our guest through a, uh, a recent guest that was on the, uh, on the show. Mr. Stephen Jackson had put me on the spot. He said, you definitely got to check out Melanie Eversley. She's been writing for some time in quite a few publications. And now she has her own publication, which we'll get into. Give it up for Melanie Eversley. Hello. I am doing well. I'm so excited to have you here on the show on Behind the Wheel. Thank you for for agreeing to to speak with me. Um, Before we get started, though, people want to know. People are always asking. They're inquiring. They want to know, are you a D&D lady or are you a five bucks lady? D&D all the way. When I heard that they were going to be shutting some down, I was highly upset. Yeah. Wow. You took yeah. it personal? Did yeah. You, <laughs> Did you petition for them to stay open? I don't know. <laughs> Not only that, they're like committed. I mean, I remember during uh, during the hurricane a few years ago, they had a sign on their door saying, we're going to stay open 24-7 no matter what is going on out here. Hmm. Um, they didn't stay open during the pandemic, but I'm sure they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I love them. Mm-mm. So for those of you who are not familiar with Melanie, Melanie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started on this road to running, and more importantly now, this writing career of yours. Okay. Um, gosh. Okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll start off with um, the running thing. I started off running in high school. I grew up in New York, and mm-hmm. uh, I took a gym class, and we would run around the Central Park Reservoir, and I remember... It was a big deal to me when I was able to run all the way around without stopping. That's like 1.5 miles. Um, so I would I would run now and then just for fun, but I wasn't really committed to it. In college, uh, the track team tried to recruit me because I had actually been dancing from the time I was three. I had uh, a couple of cousins who actually helped break the color barrier in the ballet world. Mm. And one of them, when she retired, she opened a school. And I had been studying with her for a while and uh, had hoped to become a dancer. And then when I got to be a teenager, I realized that wasn't realistic. But uh, when I was in college, the track team tried to recruit me a couple of times because I guess used like the same muscles, you know. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until, um, uh, you know, I kind of got, on into my career, moved to D.C. to cover Congress for the Detroit Free Press. And there were a lot of runners there. So there was a big, um, it was very easy to run there. There are a lot of really pretty paths. There's Mm -hmm. a big running community, a lot of clubs. And so I started doing it a little bit. And then I had a health scare. Mm. And uh, a surgeon said, I can't tell what this is. We're going to have to go in and take a look. She was really cool people. We got along well. I said, you know what? If this turns out to be nothing, I'm going to run a 5K. So she was like, eh. So turned out to be nothing. I ran a 5K. I fell in love with the whole race thing. You know, mm-hmm. you run, people give you water, they cheer, you know, <laughs> like a big <laughs> party. So I started doing a lot of 5Ks. And then um, I started seeing signs around town uh, saying, if you can run a 5K, you can run a marathon. 
So that really intrigued me because um, the closest I'd gotten to a marathon was cheering at the finish line of the New York City Marathon when I was home. Mm. I never thought of me running one. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to this meeting. It was for a charity to uh, raise money. They take you to the Dublin Marathon if you raise a certain amount of money for uh, their charity. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I started training with them. And I got up to the 10-mile mark. But uh, work had gotten really busy. I think this was around the time of, I'm going to date myself, but it was around the time when President Clinton was going through the whole impeachment process. I and did not I, sleep with that woman, <laughs> Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, I mean, know. maybe I did. I like, don't know. Did you mean that woman or that <laughs> That woman. Which <laughs> <Rich> woman? <laughs> the one over there. Right. No, I don't know. I'm sorry. Well, can you repeat that? <laughs> so I was working, you know, all the time and uh, I couldn't really keep up with the group. But mm. I said, you know, I made it up to 10 miles. I never in my life thought I could do that. So I found another, another marathon that kind of fit into my schedule and it was in the Northeast. It was the Philly Marathon. Mm-hmm. And I just started training by myself. And then um, I happened to run into a friend of mine. Her name is Darlene Superville. Some people may have seen her or heard of her. She covers the White House now for the AP. Mm. Um, one of very few African-Americans that you'll see, you know, in that group. But mm-hmm. uh, it turned out she was doing the same thing, training for her first marathon. She picked Philly. So we went there together. She's much faster than me. But, uh, you know, we went to Philly together. We started together. And then I said goodbye. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And um, and that that was such such a blast. I hit the wall. Well, actually, let me backtrack. My uh, my best friend, she passed in 2015, mm. but she was in New York then, and she surprised me at mile 20. I had no idea she was coming or anything. She was there with a bottle of Evian, which if you knew her, that would have been. Oh, that's exactly. some bougie water. Like, yeah. Not like regular water, but Evian. You know? so Evian. I, I you would have took like, anything at that point. Walmart like, water. <laughs> but it, what was so funny was I was still running and I remember telling her, I feel great. I don't understand it. I feel great. So she's like, keep going. Half a mile later, here comes the wall. I mean, it was like, Boom. So <laughs> from 20 and a half till the end, it was like walk, run, walk, run. And uh, I connected with another runner who was going through the same thing. So we just kind of pushed each other mm-hmm. until the end. So that's when I, I just became addicted to marathons. And uh, around that time, I was doing them every six months because mm-hmm. uh, it was, I, I felt like being in training gave me motivation to just work out. And it was good stress relief. Mm-hmm. Um, just it, there was nothing bad about it. I always felt better when I was training. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't always a runner. My, my sister for like two years would send me um, information about running. You ran like a mile and some change. I made it around a city block in Bridgeport, okay. and I was so excited. I called my sister. It was like, <laughs> "Yo, you I ran." She's right. like, "All right, how far did you go?" So I ran around the block. Yeah, that is so cool. That's it? That's all you went? It's around the block? So no, when did you... Feels so hmm? It feels so good when you can make, you know, when you reach those milestones. Yeah. Because, you know, be, up until that point... You, I wasn't you know, doing you anything. You think your body could do that. And when you no. do it, it gives you this confidence and this lift. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was absolutely a, 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 a great feeling. So, yeah. Stephen, um, and the reason we're talking, not just because I don't want to talk to you, I like talk. I love talking to people. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Stephen mentioned that you know you were a writer, and he challenged me um, with this. I'm like, you know, there was an article, not even so much an article, uh, keeping track. It's an IG page, and they had a mm-hmm. podcast and had two folks on there uh, that were talking about a study as far as representation and within runners' world. And I'm like, well, I don't really need a study. You know, I, I used to purchase a couple of magazines from time to time. You know, I get involved in something. I want to become familiar with it. So I buy the magazines. It's their magazine. And I was like, I noticed the absence of, you know, Black and Indigenous people of color. And it's like, I didn't need a study for that. So it kind of like, so you can have our own magazine. Why not, you know, just right. have something of your, of, your, of your own. But So in just talking, Stephen said, you know, what are you going to do next? And I was just like, Stephen, I was basically just not just talking crap, but you don't have to wait to be on a cover of a magazine uh, to feel as though we, you know, you've accomplished something of significance. Right. And rather than waiting, why don't you get your own magazine and put yourselves on there? Yes. Rather than knocking at the door, asking someone, could you please put me on your magazine? And like, right, right. You know, so well, you said you would be a great resource to talk to. So yeah. that's why I'm talking to you. Okay, okay, great. Well, I, I would encourage you. I would strongly, the timing is perfect. I would strongly encourage you to um, uh, go to an information, it's a virtual informational session about a program that I did that helped me tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the pilot program. There were only five people in the country accepted. I was the only African-American. And... Um, it was wonderful because I had been thinking about doing my own thing for years and years. I, I had taken business classes, um, journalism. Th- I had been doing journalism for decades, so I knew mm-hmm. what I wanted to do journalistically. And I thought I had it together, but this program was opening up and I learned how much I didn't know. It was really mm-hmm. invaluable. And I also saw um, how many people of color were not in that particular space. So the... Um, uh, the, the head of the program, he is, he had just finished this, um, John S. Knight fellowship. It's a big journalism fellowship at Stanford. And his project was to, um, help entrepreneurial journalists create news organizations that will not fail because 80% of them do fail. Mm-hmm. So you want to, um, have people do the work up front so that they're giving the public what they want so that they can, you know, uh, stay viable. Yeah. Um, so that was what he studied. And I guess in the process, you know, he was funded by Google and the Knight Foundation. So he had a lot of contacts. So not only did I learn a lot from being in this, this boot camp that he ran, but I also made lots of connections. So he, mm-hmm. he had a, he was separately teaching a seminar in Philadelphia and he invited those of us in this, uh, in the boot camp to come. We were spread out around the country. We would meet via Zoom. Okay. And uh, a couple of the folks from Miami, they flew up. And then I was right in New York, so I went to Philly. And uh, he introduced me to Erica Alexander, you know, who played Max from Living Single. Okay. And, uh, you know, was in Get Out and has done some other things. She actually um, was, uh, is executive producer behind Good Trouble, the documentary about John Lewis. Okay. So she had been branching out into the media and had created her own, um, or was on the road to creating her own um, organization called Color for Our Media. And the goals of her organization and mine were 
pretty much the same, mm -hmm. giving a voice to underserved communities. Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently the head of the boot camp had been talking at my news organization to Erica and her partner. And then I met her and her partner and we talked about collaborating and uh, we've stayed in touch. Uh, you know, I think we both found out that um, there's a lot more, there's probably 10 times much more work involved than you think there's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did finally launch a couple of weeks ago because I said, I've got to do this. So what's the name? What's the I name of it? Button. It's called Beyond the Railroad. It's yes. uh, beyondtherailroad.com. And uh, the reason it's called that, oh, well, this is this is the railroad behind me, but um, I, don't, I don't have a railroad. I feel like I should have the railroad too. I want the railroad. Oh. <laughs> but it's uh, the the reason I call it that is that um, I we're tell, I'm telling untold stories of people of color beyond what we usually hear. So beyond the underground railroad, beyond the great migration, beyond the other side of the tracks, just. We're doing more. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been doing journalism a long time. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of things uh, motivated me. One, um, the lack of diversity in the industry. Um, there are a lot of stories coming out now um, about um, the hostility against people of color in corporate America. There was a story that uh, was published a couple of days ago about some of the stress among the staff at the Ellen show. And, and there's been stuff circulating about what it's like to be black in a newsroom also. And I would say all of it is true. Mm. Um, and, you know, for me, uh, I mean, I, I, I met good people. I met not so, not so great people. And one of the reasons I stuck with it was because mm -hmm. other black journalists would tell me, you know, you're one of the few people we can look to at an, an organization like that, I was at a pretty big one for about 13 years, mm -hmm. and uh, and they would say, "Well, we can learn from you." So I would kind of, you know, uh, stick it out. But I also said, you know, one day I would like to be the boss, so I can actually just produce good work mm -hmm. without, you know, worrying about all this other stuff. You know, who's trying to undermine me and and all that kind of stuff. And um, the other thing was that. Uh, depending on who my editor was, sometimes uh, the stories I did or stories I pitched about people of color would get published. Sometimes they wouldn't. So, um, uh, I mean, actually, during my last go round, I had uh, an editor who I really respect and we clicked. Uh, but there was another person who, um, you know, would try to block my work. I had proposed mm -hmm. a story about... Um, there was a, a, a black man had been uh, accused of murder, went on trial, and an mm -hmm. all-white jury acquitted him. So this was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, mm -hmm. site of the race riot 99 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so me, kind of looking at the big picture, having covered race for many years, um, I said to myself, well, that's significant. You know, that shows that something is changing in Tulsa. And so I pitched a story about that, but the editor I clicked with was on vacation and uh, another person who I had to work with on that story just didn't agree with that premise. So it just never made the light of day. Mm. So, um, you know, so I, what happens when, when, when that happens? Are you able to then publish the story someplace else or sometimes, you know, mm. it's, um, I mean, I, I'm freelancing now for a lot of places. And, uh, when I was at my last organization, I would freelance occasionally, um, especially when, uh, when The Root first came out and when The Griot first came out, mm -hmm. um, 
they were they were different than they are now. Still, still you know, good news organizations, but um, doing more reported stories and um, stories that wouldn't make it into the the place where I was working. I would pitch to the Root mm-hmm. uh, and the Grio and and other places. Um, but you know, it's kind of hard to be working full time and then freelancing on the side. So yeah. I, um, in September 2017, I got laid off, and I I knew it would probably be happening because. I watched like multiple rounds of layoffs and um, there were even a couple of times where I packed my things so that when I got the word, I could just, you know, go on just leave. Yeah, and it was, it was, I mean, it's actually kind of funny. It was like, I never was like one of those people and my, my editor and I, the one I clicked with, we would always be like, wow, why are we still here? And he'd be like, shut up, keep typing, you know? Just mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and he's actually, I talked to him earlier. He's still there, but, uh, uh, so it finally came in um, in 2017, and uh, it's interesting. Another member of the running community um, who has become a, a friend, he, uh, he was in Chicago, but his son had gone missing in New York, and I was trying to help find this. And, you know, I was trying to get people to publish stories and putting up flyers Ooh. in New York. Um, and, men Run These Streets? Yes. Yeah. 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 He was so, on the show. Yeah, I like it. Good yeah, I didn't know they had a show, but I'll I'll have to look for it. No, he was on my. He was on he this was on your show. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna get run over. I better put the train out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to look for it. But uh, anyway, he he flew in for a day, and so I mm-hmm. took the day off to help put up more flyers and and all that. And that's when I got the call. Um, that I was laid off, but and it, it kind of put everything in perspective because mm-hmm. it was like, well, okay, that's that's not great, but here's somebody who's missing, and we just like get right right back to work. It just kind of helps to just kind of see your priorities. Yeah. And, and actually, he was eventually found, so that was good news. Yeah, but, um, that's good. But uh, I, you know, I had gone through a period before where I had been hadn't been working. I had been the um, Washington correspondent for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And when you're a Washington correspondent, you do it for a a limited period of time, like three years or four years. And then you're expected to go move to the city where your paper is and go work there. So my my rotation, it ended with the Atlanta paper in Washington. And Mm -hmm. they wanted me to... um, uh, they wanted me to, they offered me a job in Atlanta. I wanted to, I preferred to stay closer to home, which was New York. So, so I, I left there and I decided I would freelance for about eight months. And like the whole time I was just worried about when am I going to find my next job? Uh, Cause I had always found work easily, but when that happened, it was when the news industry all of a sudden started to shrink. You know, the internet was really becoming prominent and people mm-hmm. were not buying as many newspapers and there were layoffs everywhere. So, uh, you know, I landed at another paper. Um, but this time around when I got laid off, I said, you know, I'm not going to spend my whole time worrying. I'm going to like go out on faith. I'm going to freelance full time and mm-hmm. I'm going to start beyond the railroad because it had been in my head for like years, you know? So, uh, that's kind of what I did. I did some business classes. I got a mentor um, I actually, I, this was a real test of my commitment. Um, uh, I got offered a job at a newspaper <laughs> and I turned them down. <laughs> it was mm. like, am I crazy? You know? So it was like, okay, I better make this thing work. Um, but, uh, this is, this is what you are. 
Okay. <laughs> and I started, and I started, yeah, I started to put this on, but I didn't have time to iron it. Oh, that's uh, the, no. <laughs> it's perfect like that. I love that. But uh, but yeah, I said I'm gonna go out on faith, and uh, so I got a mentor, and she, uh, this woman, she was retired. She ran a chain of weeklies, and um, I was taking all these business classes and stuff. I found lots of classes around the city. There are lots of resources that you wouldn't know are there unless you're looking. Like mm-hmm. Columbia Business School, for example, um, has lots of free classes that you can take. So. Um, I was just doing all this, you know, trying to get prepared and freelancing. And, uh, and then my, um, my mentor uh, suggested that maybe I was trying to bite it off too much. So she was like, well, why don't you just start off as a blog slowly and then you can build up. Um, but I do want to bring up, like I brought up this, this program to you mm-hmm. right around the time when I got laid off, I was on Twitter and I just happened to see, it was like a thread from a thread. And um, this guy from California was mentioning that he was going to be starting the pilot version of this program for entrepreneurs. And I was mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me? And mm. he, he's friends with a friend of mine. And so, so I wrote him, I was like, let me know when you start. And he let me know. And, and uh, you know, it was like kismet. I applied, I got in. And, um, and What's the name of the program? It's called a Journalism uh, Entrepreneurship Bootcamp. Okay. And uh, the guy's name is Philip Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. He actually just posted on Twitter a couple of hours ago saying um, that 100 people had RSVP to his informational session, but they're still going. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll forward that to you okay. um, after this. Yeah, but uh, it was just really valuable. And even though, uh, you know, I ended the program about a year ago, um uh, he still is available to me and other people. I think only there were five of us in the program. I think only two of us made it as far as like getting our news organization off the ground. So that just kind of shows you how hard it is. Cause every, all of us who came in, we had solid ideas. We'd started working, you know, we had a template. I mean, we had a plan and still only two or five of us have yeah. gotten off the ground, you know? So. It is. It is. It is a fascinating story. I um, I didn't know what I didn't know when I started the podcast. It was just a question of I like talking to people, you know. Okay. And I would find myself. I ran a dropout prevention program in New York City for for ten years, okay. and then I switched to retail. Was a retail manager. Did training and development. But I would always find myself connecting with people. I yeah. I can sell. You know. I can. We put this up here in this product. I can talk to you about the product and and move product and, and displays. But I don't. I'm not a widget guy. I don't like widgets. I don't want to do the song and dance. You know, for a um, you know a, a, a manager's visit. You know, you're coming through the store and you're doing an order. I, I just. I like people. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. So I was like, you know, maybe it's time for me to do something else. And I started um, just interviewing runners online. It's like, yo, you have a camera? It's like, yeah, why don't you put your camera? I would have people put their camera in front of them and record themselves. And I would do the same thing and then send me the video. This is like, okay. You know, but it was like, there's Zoom. Very innovative. Yeah. <laughs> but now there's, you know, you can just sit here and do this. this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't have to do that anymore. It's like, what a lifesaver. Yeah. Um, so I realized, you know what, there's something that I that I want to pursue and, and, and move forward. And so it's like, you know, I think I'm going to return to school and um, 
And then COVID came. And I can't get my transcript. I'm just waiting for one transcript, more registered and set to go to school and take journalism. And But I want yeah. to continue to learn and develop. Um, okay. So that is that is something that's out there. I think that I think I know there are a lot of people who say, I want to do a magazine and you can just do it digitally and get some pictures and but I want to Right. I just know it's 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 not easy. I just know that. Yeah. I just I just I, you know. Well, I mean that you know, I've learned what you're actually doing that sometimes it's best not to like stress over, you know, business plan and how you're, you know, are you going to be profit, non-profit? And like, sometimes it's best to just go out there and do it and yeah. then let, let everything else fall into place. Yeah, but, I, 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 I figured some things out along the way. It did force me to, you know, applying to a couple of programs and not getting in. And But each step in the progression, it caused me to, oh, okay, so I need something different. Oh, and it right. led me to down a different path. And so yeah. being quick to jump out and say, you know, I want to want to do a magazine is one thing. But I, I do know, OK, I like the idea of connecting with people I like the idea of, of storytelling. Yeah. There's some there's some humor there. Um, I know what my, my shortcomings are. And okay. yeah, and I like to learn. And I, right. so if you're telling me, you know what? I want to work for you at behind the road. I don't want to stand on the. I don't want to stand on the tracks though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be on the other yeah. side of the tracks. I don't want to get run over. <laughs> and you need somebody to sweep, learn, clean, whatever while you're learning because you're building. Yeah, I, I like that whole idea of of that. So when when I think James um, have reached out to you, you know, James and I talk me more. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just being able to share your story, and I was t- mentioning to him this. Um, a guy who was at This American Life for some time, Alex Bloomberg, and he mm-hmm. you know, he worked there, and then he had um, another podcast he had started. But then he got this idea he wanted to start a podcast company to you know develop podcasts and create content or whatever. And so he started chronicling, chronicling his journey along the way through this podcast. Right. I said, you should start a podcast, James. And... Um, okay. So just see how, what the process is so people can see. I don't think people see like the behind the scenes. It's just, I think it's easy. I just, I just fire right. up my. You just turn on and then, you know. Turn, I'm here, you know, and yeah. I get you on and I put you on the cover and that's that. Yeah. There's so much more to it. So right. I wanted to talk to someone um, who, like yourself, who was, who's been in the industry and can, right. can help stare and direct. You know, I don't know if you have classes or you, you, you have a cohort or you're you're going to be you got an ebook or to be able to um, be a resource. You know, I you know, I just whenever anybody um, calls and asks, you know, can I talk to you? I, mm-hmm. you know, I share with them. Uh, this is actually just it's well, I wouldn't say trial and error. I mean, I've learned a lot, but I also have seen that. Um, I thought I planned out everything and there was going to be a neat straight line and it mm-hmm. wasn't, it was more like this. And I, yeah. I some, a long time ago, somebody told me it was going to be like that. And that's what I'm seeing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, one valuable thing I learned, especially in boot camp, was that, uh, they taught us to make sure we were giving people what they wanted. And so, um, uh, you know, they encouraged us to uh, talk to as many people who would be our target audience as possible. Mm-hmm. So um, my thing was, um, I, I'm trying to tell untold stories 
about people of color. And I'm trying to do journalism the way it is supposed to be done, where you put things in context and give history so you understand why, you know, this group of people may live in this neighborhood and there are no jobs and they're not leaving, you know, Mm -hmm. because they came there, you know, uh, 50 years ago to work at Bethlehem Steel, (laughs) which is Mm -hmm. behind me, and it closed in 1982. And they had no way to leave town, and that's why there are these issues in the neighborhood. Um, so I want to tell those stories, uh, you know, and I'm starting off with New York State because they say, start with what you know. Um, I've written national stories, um, so I'm, I have a sprinkling of national stories, and eventually mm-hmm. it'll become more national, but focused um, on New York. And one, one thing they had us do in boot camp was talk to as many people as possible. So I thought I knew what the stories were, and I talked to as many people as I could um, in New York City, Syracuse, Buffalo, Utica, I mean, you name it, mm-hmm. you know, urban, rural. I talked to the mayor of Rochester. I talked to, I mean, I talked to all sorts of people. And I found that I was on the right track. But um, uh, one interesting finding, everybody across the board wanted stories about housing um, because that was an issue everywhere. Mm. Um, and and uh, also I found out, uh, this was an interesting lesson. I, I sort of went in thinking, well, why would people pay for something like this? And I found out they would. <laughs> um, and uh, actually uh, the, my mentor, the one who leads the boot camp, he actually has been um, the person who's been kind of encouraging me along to have confidence in the product. And um, I've actually met some other people along the way. There, um, there are two guys who started, uh, I guess, yeah, it's a blog right after the last presidential election called, mm-hmm. um, well, what the F just happened. And they just kind of went out on faith and they said, you know, we need this amount of money to do this. And we're just going to tell people from the beginning, this is how much it costs. And then they waited, you know, like, oh, and people started paying for it. And they said they yeah. couldn't believe it, but it happened. So um, the people I spoke with, you know, I'm, I'm going after um, a, a pretty broad audience, but I, I um, specifically want to reach people in um, communities that are isolated uh, underserved communities, you know, people of color who maybe are not aware of their history, maybe even the history in their own um, area mm-hmm. of what some of their ancestors did. I want to bring that information to them. So uh, I'm in a little bit of a different position. And uh, so my plan is to um, offer this for free and then down the line have a subscription service, but it may so be do you, so you- to certain people. Yeah. Are you going? Are you are you going to have also a um, a podcast or video where people can go in here and listen to your stories? Yeah, that I mean that was the plan. Um, I you know like I said I had a huge plan that would have required mm-hmm. a staff and lots of money, and that's when my mentor was like, "It's going to take you ten years by the time you can do all that." And I was like, "You're right." So I was like, "Let me just put this out there." You know, it's like if you build it, they will come. So now that it's out there, I can start applying for grants. Um, A lot of people, uh, a lot of fellow journalists would um, share information about different grants to me. And they were like, this is perfect. Apply, apply, apply. And it would sound perfect that I would see this part saying, you know, your um, idea, it cannot be a concept. It has to be an actual existing news organization. So now that I'm online, 
I've, you know, gotten over that hurdle and I can go after some grants. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I, uh, <clears throat> it's incredible how you, you, you meet different people for, for whatever reason, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's been, I'd say maybe what, 2016. So just interviewing ordinary people who were doing extraordinary things within their within their communities and mm-hmm. just not just black people, you know, just 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 regular people who are doing some majority are probably black, but I've I've inter- interviewed people with no arms, no mm-hmm. leg, you know, right. white, black, Hispanic, just all over the uh, all over the country, all over the world and so to hear what you're doing is it is incredible, man. It is it's, well maybe I, I can share the link to your podcast. Yeah, um, I, I shared your I shared your John Lewis story. I think, yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm I just <laughs> oh, what? Okay. I just I I'm, he was just an amazing person. And when when I learned he was sick, I mean I think he well, he definitely had more of an impact on my life than I had on his. But for four years, I was part of the the, the inner crew or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, he I, I would get frustrated with my coworkers, and then I go over to his office, and I would think, like, you know, you got to put all this in perspective. Look what he did. You know, <laughs> he's not worried about you know. Oh, they all went to out to lunch without you or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, when I heard he was sick, I. I uh, want to write him a note just to say, you know, thank you, uh, you know, for being such a great person. And uh, I, I walked around with this blank card for months in, in my backpack because I was like, how am I going to say that? I don't want it to sound like, you know, coming I mean, because part of me was hoping maybe he would be Alex Trebek and, you know, and mm-hmm. so I never did it. And then, and I thought he was going to have good news because he had been encouraging the marchers the, the protesters and he was out at the black lives matter sign in DC and, and everything. So I thought, okay, you know, maybe he's going to be, you know, for a while, maybe he'll stabilize. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard that it was just, um, yeah. Yeah. I just had, um, Adrian white, who is, um, in charge of recruiting for Democrat, for the democratic party down in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And she's like, they, they, so you, she's going through, Breathing, and then have to um, get a person to put on the ballot because you got to do it within 24 hours. So it's like, okay, who do we pick? So they selected a a, a female to, to go on the ballot. It is just, it is interesting to see and to hear. So I, I'm excited about what you're doing. Um, I think it's. I know it's going to be be incredible. It's funny because in talking, Stephen said I should talk to you, and since then it's like that. There's a there's a uh, an educator out in in in, um, in California who, who teaches theater, um, and there's someone else who's who who's a writer, and she's in you know she's an actor, and you have these different people who I I want to tell stories similar to what you're saying, but I I, I find myself listening to a podcast because yeah. I might be on the road, I, you might be running, you know, you might be on the train. Right. tracks literally and so you you have it in your ear and you're able to hear these stories and right. there's something entertaining there's so many different it's a it's a huge market and it's something i've been thinking about and 
just like, you know what? Let me just, like yourself, let me just go ahead and know. Yeah. Just because not as if one day I'm going to die. It is a certainty at this point that it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. why wait? Why, don't we just, why wait? Just do it, which is do what it. you're doing. This is, yeah. um, this is fantastic. This is and really so, great. You and know. I, I've been in a bubble just trying to get this thing published. So I had no idea you were doing this. I knew you had a radio show for a while. There's the podcast. This is it. Now I'm on Zoom. I'm big time now. I got Zoom. <laughs> Zoom is like, I invested in Zoom like a month ago. And they're like, now I'm showing, I mean, I've been showing like this archive. They reached out to me. They were like, oh, we have all this historic civil rights footage. I'm like, give it to me. So like every night I've been showing, like tonight I'm going to be showing um, John Lewis's raw video mm-hmm. for um, his interview for the Eyes on the Prize documentary. Wow. And wow. Then, um, Yesterday, uh, I, I showed CT Vivian, and then before that, John Lewis. But it's like Zoom makes all this possible. It's, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah, so I, I, I'm going to be, uh, we, we'll, we'll talk, continue this conversation, hopefully, um, because uh, I, I'd love to be able to maybe we can work together, help each other, um, continue to grow. Absolutely. I don't know if you're looking for, um, I'll be a, uh, what do you call them? An intern. I just got to get rid of the Grecian for Oh, uh, you know what? I, I could be. I could be your intern. <laughs> I told everybody I can't pay right now. I have been overwhelmed by the amount of people who have contributed their stuff. Um, I hope eventually to be able to pay people, but I can't mm-hmm. now. And I mean, I did. I so said. Much. I said intern, like I, because I know. I know what it's like to be able to. You know, it's like I tell people. You know, I got people. I don't have people, you know, I have my person get back to you. I just, it's just a joke, but you know how it is just to be able to have and to learn another yeah. body to talk to. And it's like, you, 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 you feel like you're in this bubble in this right. thing by yourself and then to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Can I make um, a quick plug for a story that's on the. Sure. Plug away. Thank you. So, uh, uh, I can't remember. This is an exclusive. This okay. We got an exclusive. That's what we're so, talking yeah, about. How kind of upstate it is. Uh, a couple of years ago, oh, I, I know what it was. When I was um, in my program and they encouraged us to speak to people around the state about what they would want to see in a news organization, um, I spoke with this um, county legislator in Buffalo. Um, her name is April Baskin. And uh, it was hard to reach her, but once I got her, she was just the cool. She was like, here are the things that's going on, and I'm, I'm so angry about this, and I'm trying to do that. So she told me about this young woman named India Cummings, who mm-hmm. uh, she had been studying to be a nurse. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, had not ever been in trouble. And then all of a sudden, one day, just seemed to... Just something snapped in her mind. She called 911 herself and was like, something is wrong with me. And by the time they, they got there, you know, she ran out into the street. She hide, she carjacked a car, knocked a guy out of his car, drove, drove, drove down the street and crashed. So uh, she gets arrested. Uh, the police break her arms a couple of times in the process of the arrest. And then she is taken to um, a place in Buffalo. It's like a jail. It's called Erie County Holding Center. Um, about 30 people have died there under odd circumstances over the last, I think it's 10 years. Mm-hmm. So she gets taken there. And um, the, the mother, her mother, who lives in Rochester, which is like an hour and a half away, 
you know, nobody tells her. It just so happens that somebody sees on the news that um, this young woman was arrested in this bizarre case and she's now at the Erie County Holding Center. So somebody called the mom and was like, did you know India's in jail? So the mom drops everything. She goes to Buffalo and every time she gets to Buffalo, um, the, the folks at the jail say, well, your daughter says she won't see you. And uh, later on, some state investigators um, kind of pieced together what was happening with this young woman. It was like she was just mentally unraveling while she was behind bars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking to herself, going to the bathroom on herself, walking around herself naked, smearing food on the wall, um, tore her mattress apart, just all kinds of things. And at no point did she get a mental evaluation, even though it had been recommended. And uh, so the mother's going back and forth trying to get to see her. Mm-hmm. And at one point uh, does hire a lawyer and they did get permission to have her removed from the jail and get a mental evaluation. But then there was this question of there were no beds available. And uh, 17 days after she had been taken to the holding center, um, she went into cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. And then she uh, she went to the she was rushed to the hospital. You know, she was revived. But by then she was brain dead. And so the mother had to make the decision to um, pull the plug four days later. Um, so another thing that came out later was the condition that she was in by the time she had been taken to the hospital. Her, her um, one leg uh, was so badly damaged that it would have had to have been amputated if she had survived. Um, she was in kidney failure. She was dehydrated. Um, the arm that had been broken, it had been broken in a couple of places. It was just not healing because she had been moving it freely and it was swollen and red. But multiple things wrong with her. And so um, uh, the mom has filed a couple of lawsuits and uh, uh, a state panel investigated and they actually um, labeled this young woman's death a homicide. Um, but uh, the local, um, the local district attorney investigated, and uh, he didn't really announce um, an action or inaction. He just didn't do anything. So now it's in the hands of the state attorney general, Letitia James, and she's investigating whether to press charges against uh, the authorities. Um, and I just bring it up. I, I did a story on it. I spent a year. Um, a little bit over a year reporting it uh, because like the story had been out there among people in Buffalo and Mm -hmm. Rochester, but because a lot of news organizations have been kind of gutted, um, there was nothing about who this young woman was as a person and what her aspirations were, what she liked to do, what kind of friend she was. So I just kind of sought to tell that story, which is the the belief story and beyond the railroad. So um, I just like folks to read it. If you if you read it and you're moved by it, please share it. You know. mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely will. So did you you have audio and stuff when you when you're going and you're doing these stories, are you taking like audio notes for yourself? Or how how do you how do you what is your um... Yeah, um, you know the real important interviews like when I uh, when I went up to Rochester to talk to India Cummings mom, um, I uh, I recorded that on um, I, I have all kinds of apps on my phone, like every app you can imagine. There are a couple of apps I use for phone interviews, but I used, um, I forget which one. 
there are a couple of I use. I use Did you save different. them? You still have the audios? I still have them. Yeah. So I save them. I do everything. I save them. I do everything with my phone. I record the interviews. I take pictures. I shoot video, you know, and because it's just me right now um, and I never know when I'm going to need a photo of some random place. Whenever I go somewhere, I take as many pictures as possible. So like when I went to go see India Cummings' mother in Rochester, um, you know, I got off the bus and then I, I took a taxi. I had the taxi stop me at this building where Fred, Frederick Douglass used to operate his North Star newspaper. Mm. Uh, I was like, oh, there's a Tallman building. Stop. So I got some photos because I knew I would need them someday. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and I think I just got some random pictures of downtown Rochester and then went to uh, India Cummings' house, talked to the mom. And then on the way back, same thing. And that it's, sounds it's, like a great story. Um, right now, you know, I am not... Um, I'm not a member of a wire service and I cannot pay um, anyone for, for photos. So I, uh, I use all my own, you know, or uh, I'll look on the web and see what's in the public domain. But yeah, I'm doing it all myself with my phone. Um, when I was at USA Today on the breaking news desk and mm-hmm. they taught us how to do everything with our iPhone, you know, from video. We, 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 we need to talk. Yo. So like everyone sitting on the curb, like writing my story. You know? <laughs> yeah. We, so. we we definitely need to um yeah, I would I would love to do I would do that for free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna edit yeah. that part. No, I'm serious. Okay. I would do that yeah. for free. But, I'm I mean, serious. I'd love to if you could, you know, contribute. Um yeah, I, w- I I I would love to do that. I would love to turn that into a a, a podcast. It would be a a great learning experience. Um, yeah, I think there there is definitely. I got I got an eight o'clock, but it's you. Okay, you yes, have sir. you have been a blessing to uh, the running community more so than you know. I'm sure people are going to reach out to you. Um, whatever you need from from me, because I I I don't believe it was accidental that um, that Stephen mentioned it. He put me on the. Uh, <laughs> So he he did it like I'm in the middle just just before I, I go. Yeah, we're on this we're on the episode, and I'm asking him about his his brother and him playing basketball. So so Stephen, so who used to win between you and um and Damon? Because I heard Damon. I'm just talking smack. Right. I said before we get to that though, Derek, I got a question for you. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm just it was just a, it was just a basketball question. I mean, where are we going with this? Next thing you know, you ask me, so what are you going to do next? So what do you mean? What are you going to do next? About the posts in terms of representation matters and starting, you know, thinking about a magazine or what have you. And I'm like, right, right. I have to give it some thought because I know it's it's a huge undertaking. It's not something that you can do by yourself. And that's when he mentioned your name. You shouldn't have to do it alone. I'm like, wow. Okay, well, I will reach out to, um, I will take action. I will pick up the phone. And, and give you a call. So thank you very much. I'm going to go and check out that story and okay. definitely share it. Um, we will connect afterwards um, okay. and stay in contact. And anything right. I can do to assist you. Um, Same here. And I'll send you that stuff about the, the boot camp. I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. All right. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>